Hi, and welcome to the Well-Read Podcast, a bi-weekly discussion on books and reading. I'm Hallie. And I'm Anne. And we are librarians who love to read and talk about books. And today we're doing uh, one of our favorite kinds of episodes, our book preview episodes, where we look ahead for the next few months and talk about the books that we're excited that are coming out and that we are going to get to read. So um, I have to say, Anne, when I was pulling together my list of books, there were a lot of good books coming out. I could, I had a good books. very hard time choosing what I wanted to talk about because there are a lot of good books. Yeah, I kind of thought, so So because I'm not doing fiction at work anymore, mm-hmm. I sort of thought this would be a little more challenging mm-hmm. to um, put together. And then I had way more than I needed. And it was, it was pretty simple to just say, well, here's, 20 yep. that I need and then yeah. I have to actually whittle it down so yep. um so I was kind of surprised by that but yeah. it was it was a nice surprise I was yeah I was I was sort of in the same boat I just hadn't not that I haven't been paying attention but I just I don't know I hadn't looked ahead and thought selected any books to read and or very many books on goodreads or anything like that mm-hmm. and so then when I started looking it was just like oh I want to read this and this and this and this so too many books <laughs> not enough time <laughs> the story Uh, of our lives i know it is it is all right well why don't we go ahead and get started because this usually ends up being a kind of a long episode so we could just get get right into it um so having said that i was looking for fiction my first book is not uh fiction and it is a memoir by bob odenkirk called comedy 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 drama yes and it actually has come out already we're we're recording this a little bit uh later because we had our 100th episode and so um, so we're into March already mm-hmm. and this book came out on March 1st and I am a huge Bob Odenkirk fan. Um, but I don't know him from the shows pip- people typically know him from. <laughs> so, um, I, I know him from Mr. Show, which, um, is one of my, my favorite shows of all time. And I've always been kind of sad that he didn't have a breakout career in the same way that David Cross, his, his comedy partner did. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it's been really exciting to see how things have de- developed for him. And he's just been a, a hugely influential person in, in the world of comedy and, and um, entertainment, both for Mr. Show and for writing on SNL. But his career kind of fizzled out in the early 2000s until he took a dramatic role on Breaking Bad. And mm-hmm. he thought he would be t- doing comedy for his entire life. And then everything he knew about his career changed. So um, I, I like that this fits into that that space of books of about people who are able to find f- fulfillment later in life and mm-hmm. yeah, kind of in a different way than than they um, expected. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited about that, but I'm also excited that this is going to have lots of information about Mr. Show and, and I'm imagining some behind the scenes things. And he's just someone who really de- deserves his success. And mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm happy to see that um, he's kind of a household name at this point where he, he's always deserved to be one. Mm-hmm. So that is Comedy, 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 Drama by Bob Odenkirk. Yeah, I think I'm going to try to do that one on audio the way I often do memoirs. Um, I really like him. I only really know him from Breaking Bad, I would say, but I like him a lot, so Mm -hmm. I'm eager to read that. All right, so my first one is Memphis by Tara Stringfellow, and it comes out April 5th. And I don't know much about this one, so this will be a rather short uh, introduction to it. Uh, (laughs) It's a family saga. It sounds like it covers three different generations, but the The starting point of the book is that a woman flees an abusive relationship with her two children and moves in with her sister in Memphis. And um, there's clearly history between these two sisters. And so then the book goes back and forth in time to unfold the family story and and show kind of where they how they got to where they are when the book opens. So um, I love a family drama. I love 
books that tie together different generations. I love stories um, that go back and forth in time. So it just has a lot of elements that I think I'm really going to like. Uh, that is Memphis by Tara Stringfellow. That does sound really perfect for you. It does. It does. <laughs> I have another one later that sounds possibly even more perfect for me. But yes. <laughs> I believe I have a few of those yes. for me as yes. well. <laughs> Uh, so my next book is Atomic Anna by uh, Rachel Berenbaum, and that comes out on April 5th. And I'm actually kind of not sure how to describe this because the plot description goes all over the place. And so I was trying to write it and I'm like, ah, I don't know how to explain these things. Um, so it starts with a nuclear um, physicist uh, named Anna Burkova, um, and she is a Soviet, and she wakes up at the moment that the Chernobyl reactor melts down in 1986. Mm -hmm. And this event causes her to travel to the future where she meets her daughter Molly, who is dying. And Molly in that moment asks her to go back in time and save their family from this trajectory that has mm -hmm. led to, the, to that moment. And that will include Molly's daughter, Riza, who is, um, I think, in the 80s, I want to say. And she finds issues of a comic that Molly drew in the 1960s called Atomic Anna. Mm -hmm. So that is a very, very simplified version <laughs> of, of what the, the description was. So go read the description online. Mm -hmm. I'll link to it because um, it's, it's, it's pretty uh, all over the place. So um, this is pretty much just a personal I think it'll be a great book and I think people will be interested in it, but mm -hmm. I want to read it personally because I went to Chernobyl in January. Mm -hmm. And so I, it's basically the most interesting thing I've ever seen in my life. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm pretty much only thinking about Ukraine these days. And mm -hmm. so I think many listeners can understand that. So mm -hmm. this was kind of like a more middling um, book for me on my list. And mm -hmm. then in the last three months, it's just right. risen to Shut the top as, yeah. as what I want, the space I want to I might as well read what my brain is occupied with all the time. Mm -hmm. So um, so I think it, it sounds just, just incredibly interesting. So that is Atomic Anna by Rachel Berenbaum. All right. My next one is The Wedding Crasher by Mia Sosa. comes out April 5th, and this is a romantic comedy. And it's a fake relationship story, which is one of my favorite tropes in romance. <laughs> um, so the heroine of this crashes the wedding of the hero uh, but his, the wedding was a marriage of convenience so it's not like he's super distraught about losing the love of his life or anything the real problem is that um she breaks up this wedding which i'm not exactly sure how she breaks up this wedding because i haven't read it yet um but <laughs> the she crashes this wedding she breaks it up and he needs a partner like a romantic partner to get become partner at his law firm or something like that. Like something for his career is dependent on him looking like, I'm guessing, a stable family guy kind of thing. Oh, and okay. so she agrees to be his girlfriend uh, for that purpose. And then, and she feels bad because she crashed his wedding and then broke up his potential marriage. So she <laughs> agrees to it. Um, and then her mom tells a lie to her aunt I'm assuming about her relationship status. So then she asks him to return the favor of pretending to be his, her boyfriend um, around her family or something like that. So, uh, so that's most fake relationship uh, setups are a little bit like that. You know, it's like you're doing it for other people, but then suddenly you start spending time together and you're trading <laughs> stories and you start falling for each other. And uh, the first book I don't know if it's necessarily a series series but the previous book by Mia Sosa the worst best man I really liked because it was a great combination of being funny 
but also there was a lot of plot surrounding the characters figuring out their career and what they wanted out of life and their Mm -hmm. family dynamics. So I love that. Obviously I've talked about it a lot of times. Like I love a romance, but I also, I especially really love a romance when it has those other elements um, because obviously by its nature, romance is very predictable. So the way the couple gets to the end and what happens to them in that journey is really what keeps you reading a romance. It's not whether or not they're going to be happy at the end. Cause you know that part. Uh, so, um, so this sounds really fun. Like I said, I, uh, that first book that I read by Mia Sosa, the worst best man was, uh, I really, really enjoyed. So I'm looking forward to this one. That is the wedding crasher by Mia Sosa. Do you think all of her books are going to be wedding themed? I don't know. Not all. So, because she's written more than just these, but the, these seem like her. Yes, these seem kind of breakout. her breakout. Yes, I don't know. My guess is it's just a trilogy or something that's going to be wedding themed, and then she'll move on. Because she wrote other books, yeah. I believe, before this that weren't. Um, right. But yeah, this the, and and that's why I'm not sure if these are minor characters from the worst best man or if these are this is a standalone, but it just happens to also be wedding themed. I'm not really sure. Yeah. Also. You said you said the part about how he needs her to be he needs her to do something, and my mind went to he needed a kidney donation. I don't know why that did that, but wouldn't that be an interesting that romance? Would so I have to tell you something funny. It's <laughs> super side off topic, but I have a friend who's really trying really hard to buy a house here. It's very difficult. The housing market is ridiculous here, and mm-hmm. she's just really having a hard time. Um, getting a house and so she texted me last week and she said I figured out how I'm going to buy a house I'm going to write a romance novel about somebody looking for a house and and having to go to all these open houses and looking at all these houses and there's this realtor that they keep running into each other (laughs) they don't like each other but then they fall in love and she said she has this whole long thing and then she said so I'm going to write the book I'm going to sell it it's going to be a huge blockbuster and that's how I'm going to make enough money to be able to buy a house (laughs) so in several years She'll, she'll buy this house. But I was like, I would read that romance. Like, I would read that. Yeah. That would be, I, that's like catnip. I love house. I love looking at listings online for houses. I said, I would love to read a romance that's all around the real estate world. That'd yeah, that awesome. sounds super funny. <laughs> and she's a good writer. She could probably do it. She could probably oh, cool. write that. Yeah. Well, I hope in a, in a, a couple of years we're talking about that book I on know. this podcast. I that know. would be great. That's so awesome. <laughs> Um, okay, so next is The Hacienda by Isabel Cañas, and that is coming out on May 3rd. And this cracked me up because I put it on our list. And when I went back to check the list, Hallie had written that she hadn't even bothered to add it <laughs> on her own list because she knew I would want to talk about yep. it because yep. it is pretty tailored to me. Yep. Um, this is being billed as Mexican Gothic meets Rebecca. And it's about a woman named Beatrice whose father is executed after the overthrow of the Mexican government, which I actually forgot to look up the year that this takes place. Um, I kind of assumed it was 19th century, but I don't know that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but she has nowhere to go after this. And so she receives a proposal for from a handsome man named Don uh, Rodolfo Solo. Uh, can't pronounce that so so <laughs> too many i can't i can't uh yeah. talk when i get nervous solarzano and uh she agrees to this despite rumors of his first wife's um kind of strange sudden death and so she moves to his hacienda san adriso and he uh he leaves i think soon after that and she's alone 
and she realizes once he's gone that something isn't right at this this place so um I think that this sounds like a more supernatural version of Rebecca mm-hmm. um because that doesn't really have technically have anything supernatural in it but mm-hmm. um but it kind of gives that feeling um and I I think I talked about on one of our end of year things uh probably last year about um the Mexican Gothic didn't really live up to my expectations of mm-hmm, it and I was mm-hmm. I was kind of sad with the with what I wanted it to be versus what it was which doesn't make it a bad book it just it just wasn't exactly what I wanted it to be mm-hmm. so I feel like um this sounds perfect and I'm, I'm hoping that it sort of takes that place um in my heart that I've been waiting for mm-hmm. from Mexican Gothic and it just sounds creepy and awesome and um I can't wait for it. And that is The Hacienda by Isabel Cañas. Yeah, I want to read that one too. I wasn't going to steal it from you, but Thank I you. definitely want to read that. My next one is Take My Hand by Dolan Perkins Valdez. It comes out uh, April 12th. And this is historical fiction. It takes place in the 1970s. It's about, uh, it's based on a real person whose name was Sybil Townsend. And she was a young woman who was a nurse and she got her first nursing job at a family planning clinic in Montgomery, Alabama. And as part of what she's doing, she is giving the very new uh, birth control in- injection, Depo Provera, I think, is that what it's called? Anyway, and she's sent to uh, a family of sharecroppers share who have two young girls in the family, and she's sent there to give them this shot for this birth control. And when, but when she gets there, she realizes that they're young. They're, I think, 11 and four, 13. And they haven't reached puberty yet. And so she questions why she could possibly be giving them a birth control shot when they haven't even reached puberty yet. So she realizes that the clinic is trying to involuntarily sterilize people, certain people. And so she launches a lawsuit against the clinic. And it sounds like it's obviously about racism and classism, but also medical industry and how they use certain people um, for their own benefits, possibly without their knowledge. So it sounds like a great sort of fiction companion to The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. Uh, and it sounds really, really fascinating. I read a book by Dolan Perkins Valdez years ago called Wench. was was another oh, historical yeah. fiction novel that I really liked. Um, and this this sounds fascinating to me, so I'm, I'm eager to read this one. Let's take my hand by Dolan yeah, sounds, Perkins Valdez. That sounds really interesting. Mm-hmm. It sounds like, um, what's the Diane Chamberlain book that's about um, eugenics? I want to uh, say necessary lies. Oh, possibly. I haven't out. read that one. That, yeah. Um, that's sort of the same the same yeah. thing of of forced sterilization yeah. um, based on class and yeah, and yeah. race and things. So that sounds yeah. really interesting. Yeah. It's horrifying, um, but interesting. Yeah, yeah. This this my my next book will be lighter. I okay. promise. <laughs> it is called Renovated to Death by Frank Anthony <laughs> Polito, and it comes out on May thirty first. And this is an LGBT centered cozy, which is not Ooh, a thing, not... right? Yeah. So I've said many, many times on this podcast that that I'm very stoked um, whenever there is diversity in cozies, and we're starting to see that a lot more in racial and ethnic diversity, but mm-hmm. not in LGBT diversity. And mm-hmm. so I don't think I've ever seen one before, both in um, major publishing and and indie publishing. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that they exist, but I, I'm not aware of them. 
So I was, I've just been so excited about this. So mm-hmm. it's about a mystery author named Peter and an actor, JP, who are domestic partners. And they're also hosts of a home renovation show called mm-hmm. Domestic Partners. And they first, in the first season, they worked on their own um, home in Detroit. And now they're in the second season restoring other people's historic homes. And this time they're doing the house of uh, identical twin brothers who have, I think, inherited um, this, this house from a parent. And then one ends up dead. So it says in the description that between Peter's experience as a mystery author and JP's experience of playing a cop on TV, that they're going to solve this murder, which I just thought was so funny. It's like there was that show with Rob Lowe a few years ago. I never watched it, but or I maybe watched one episode. It's like he's played a lawyer on TV and then oh, comes yeah, home yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and his brother is a lawyer and he drives. Yeah. Away. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. 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 It just sounds like a, a fun, a, a really fun take on what would make these people viable right, sleuths. Right. Um, so I just think it sounds completely delightful. And I've known about this book for months and I've just been so excited to see this come out. And um, the more, you know, cozies are dear to my heart, but they aren't a very inclusive space. Right, and so right. the more range we can see right. there, the, the happier I will be. So that is Renovated to Death by Frank Anthony Polito. That's one I kind of want to read that one too. Yeah. Um, my next one is Book Lovers by Emily Henry. <laughs> it comes out May 3rd. And I want to read you something, a direct quote from a review. <laughs> and it will, it basically it's all I'm going to need to say about this book. Truly a book for book lovers and a romance for romance lovers, this novel will delight Henry's fans as well as readers of smart, sexy, and funny romances with emotional depth and storylines featuring family dynamics. Oh my gosh. (laughs) This book was written for me. For me, directly. May as well say that at the, book, at the beginning of the book. Uh, so I hope this, it's dedicated to you. Wouldn't I that hope be so. Fun? I mean, I've never met Emily Henry, but I feel like she kind of knows me. Yeah. Uh, so this is about a literary, a literary agent who lives in New York who takes a month-long trip to a small town in North Carolina with her sister um, for, you know, a girl's trip. And her sister has created a checklist of small things small town things that they need to do and Nora is the name of the main character and she she likes her life in New York like it's a fast-paced life she's ambitious she it, this isn't going to be the story of somebody like in a Hallmark movie who you know goes to the small town and like discovers her true love of life or something like it's clear that Nora <laughs> likes her life uh, but she's going along with this for her sister and then when she when they get to this small town uh, her nemesis, Charlie, who is an editor who rejected Nora's book years before, is also in the small town, and they keep running into each other, and uh, he's kind of a grump, I think, and, and she's annoyed that he's everywhere that they go, uh, and then I'm sure you can imagine that they end up falling in love. <laughs> so uh, I love Emily Henry's books. I- I've read um, everything she's written so far, which is only two books. This is her third. Um, because I, they really, really hit that sweet spot for me between romance and relationship fiction. Yeah. It's, uh, definitely got the romantic elements. But even her first book, I remember um, people saying, oh, no, this isn't a romance. And I disagreed with that. I do think it was a romance. But uh, it definitely edges over that line into relationship fiction, which I love. Like, give me more of that. Yeah, um, And I, I think Emily Henry does a really nice job with it. So that is Book Lovers by Emily Henry. That's, I, I almost put that on the list. Did you? Okay. Um, yeah, just, but then I thought, well, she's so famous. And, yeah. and 
there's there I have other things to to pick mm-hmm. um but I'm glad you did also because I had other I put I put other romances on yeah. this list and yeah. I I wanted to spread things out yeah. a little bit better yeah um, I'm just but so there excited. was sorry I was gonna say this is one of my most anticipated books I yeah would say. yeah I think that's fair yeah. um there was another book that I almost put to called um as seen on tv i think is the name of it that's a romance about a woman who has a new york job and she moves to a small town thinking that it's going to be all hallmarky (laughs) and like have all these available men but then it's totally trashy and she and and, like it's the worst the worst stereotype of a small town you can imagine and it sort of turns everything that we expect from from that trope on its head and so i thought that was really cute too so um, I guess that gets honorable mention here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have an honorable mention. It's a book I've actually already read called Nora Goes Off Script. I think that's what it's called. What it's called. I'll double check. Um, but it's about a woman who writes basically Hallmark movies. And then <laughs> she lives what could be a Hallmark movie because one of her her stories gets picked up as like a major film. And they end up coming to film it at her house. And there's a big movie star who ends up staying past the filming time. Anyway, it's delightful um, and that comes out I think in June so that's my bonus pick because that sounds super since fun. I've already read it I didn't include it here but um, it's delightful we should we should do an episode of um, maybe there aren't enough books mm. of books about hallmark trope like exam oh, hallmark tropes fun. but that would be really really fun that would be fun we should see if we can put that together that yeah maybe we could do one that's like well, that could that could work. I was also thinking of things like like the Chicken Sisters, where it's uh, right, right. Uh, people coming into a town yeah. and and sort of examining the yeah. the town from from the outside. Yeah, hmm. yeah. We'll have to think about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so next is the woman the woman in the library by Solari Gentile, and that comes out on June seventh. And this uh, starts with a scream that rips through the reading room of the Boston Public Library and security arrives to find out what happened and everyone in the room is forced to stay until they uh, are finished and they've, they've questioned everyone. And so there are four strangers who are seated at the same table and they begin talking with each other and, and are getting along and, and are forming these friendships with each other. Um, but each has reasons for being there at that particular time. And one of them is a murderer. And that's pretty much all <laughs> the information I have. Um, this author has written several mysteries set in 1930s Australia. She's, she's uh, I think, from Sri Lanka originally and then was raised in Australia, but then has come to the United States. Um, and so that just sounds like an interesting background that that um, I'm curious of how that will inform this book. Mm-hmm. And I think this is her her first suspense novel, if I'm I'm not mistaken. Um, I might be wrong on that, but um, I always love a bookish book in any uh, capacity, but a, a bookish thriller just mm-hmm. sounds really fun to me. So that is The Woman in the Library by Solari Gentile. That sounds good. I When I was looking at books that ca- definitely caught my eye is I was looking anything with the library and it's going to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my next one is This Time Tomorrow by Emma Straw that comes out May 17th. And um, I generally really like Emma Straub's books. And it's interesting because I feel like she never writes the exact same story twice, which is uh, I obviously most people don't. But I don't know. Like she tends to go in different directions. Um, mm-hmm. And this one definitely is going in a different direction. So it is about a woman who a week before her 40th birthday 
she is visiting her gravely ill father and uh, she goes out with her friends and over imbibes a little bit, I think actually on her birthday. So she's been with her dad for a week and then on her birthday, she uh, drinks a little bit too much. And when she wakes up the next morning, she's 16 again. And, but, but in, you know, her brain is 40, but her, she's back in whatever year she was when she was 16. And so she sets out to try to change the future so her father is not gravely ill when she's turning 40. Like, I'm not sure what his illness is, but she's trying to prevent that from happening, as well as go back to a relationship she had when she was a teenager and see if she can change the course of that. Uh, So it sounds like she can keep doing this. She can keep going back to when she's 16. But every time she does that, she loses a day. So she's not able to fix whatever's wrong with her father. She's one day, she's lost a day to be with him uh, before he passes away. So it sounds really intriguing to me. I really like Emma Straub's style. Like I said, I've, I've enjoyed everything I've read by her. And this sounds, I like time travel stuff usually. And this sounds like an interesting way to approach it. So that is This Time Tomorrow by Emma Straub. That does sound really, really interesting. Yeah. Um, next is The Crane Wife by C.J. Hauser, and it comes out on July 12th. Um, so, so several years ago, I had a friend um, who posted an essay from the Paris Review called The Crane Wife, and it really, really resonated with me in a deeply personal way. Mm-hmm. And I've gone back to read it many times, and every single time it makes me cry. So um, I will post a link to that in the, the show notes. Mm-hmm. So this is a collection of essays from, from that same author, and it includes The Crane Wife, but it also expands into a full memoir in essays. And so she is examining her upbringing and how um, that formed her ideas about love. And she's trying to rewrite what she knows about relationships and personal fulfillment. And she says that um, instead of having this kind of fixed view of of what relationships should be, she's trying to create um, what she calls a happy haunted house, (laughs) which I also thought kind of fit me pretty yeah, pretty well yeah, yeah. Um, and that's that she sees that as a place where her past can live and inform the present but it doesn't cause her to lose hope um so I'm, I'm kind of imagining this will be a difficult book for me to read mm-hmm. just because I have such a, a personal um feeling toward that right, that essay right. but I know I'm going to love it I know mm-hmm. that that her writing style is just gorgeous and um um it's I, I'm not a huge essay reader but that mm-hmm. was one w- that made me think oh i see i see what an essay can do i Mm. see how this can can Mm -hmm. um be art in Mm -hmm. in a in in an emotional way so Mm -hmm. um so that is the crane wife by cj hauser yeah i read um shoot the the title's escaping me so that podcast i always talk about that's from the bookstore owner in Mm -hmm. uh, georgia she cj hauser is i think local maybe or or somewhat local and so um they highly recommended her previous book, and I read it because friend, no, cousins and I don't remember. Anyway, uh, and I read that and I liked it. But um, she she has she has talked about the Crane Wife repeatedly. She's read it uh, an advanced copy and um, oh cool talks about it pretty highly. You know, tries to take <laughs> out the fact that she knows C.J. Hauser personally and says yeah. it's just a really stunning book. So I'm I'm looking forward to reading it. Yeah. All right, my next one is Acts of Violet by Margarita Montemore. It comes out July 5th. And um, so the, the 
title character, Violet Volk, was an iconic magician who 10 years before the start of the book vanished mid-act and then was never seen again. Um, and so ever since her sister has been living a quiet life, um, even though there's been tons of speculation and attention on their family because people have been wondering what happened to Violet, uh, where she went, was it, a, was it a magic act? Like where, where did she go? And so now it's, ten, it's approaching the 10 year anniversary of this disappearance. And wouldn't you know, somebody has a podcast about what happened to Violet <laughs> and starts investigating and is very, the host is very determined to uncover what really happened and delves into all the secrets that um, Violet's sister and potentially Violet had. So I, I really liked the author's previous book. It was a book called Una Out of Order. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm eager to see what she does with this story because I, uh, I think that she might, might have, I don't know, she might do something kind of interesting with the story. Um, plus podcast, right? So yeah. I love a book with a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is Acts of Violet by, by Margarita Montemore. Uh, up next is also um, kind of, I guess, not really the same, kind of the same. <laughs> um, it's called Love in the Time of Serial Killers by Alicia Thompson, and it comes out on um, August 16th. And it just speaks to me in, in lots of lots of ways. It's about a woman named Phoebe who is true crime obsessed, and she's a PhD student, and um, she's actually writing her dissertation about about true crime and and sort of its place in the culture um, but she can't seem to finish her her dissertation and she is uh, distracted by other things going on in her life including um, the aftermath of um, the death of her father who she um, had a, a difficult relationship with and sort of her relationship with her family after that happened um, but she is also keeping her eye on her neighbor, Sam, who she is sure is a serial killer. And she doesn't really have any reason to think that. And he may actually just be a nice guy. But how will she know that when she's expecting murder around every corner? And so I feel this in my heart because I pretty much view men at this point as all potential murderers. So... <laughs> I've had I've had some um, reckonings with my mortality in the last few years, yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. the result of of one of them, and um, and so I'm very glad that someone wrote a romance with this take because the distrust is real, mm -hmm. but it's also ridiculous in mm -hmm. in many ways. Mm -hmm. um, it's not totally ridiculous, unfortunately, but but I I very much understand this feeling of well, what's the point? Right. They're all I could get murdered. Right, so right. I like that it's sort of a a humorous take on that feeling but it sounds like it has a little bit more um kind of emotional um meat yeah. there too so yeah. um that is love in the time of serial killers by alicia thompson <laughs> that sounds good i might read that too <laughs> uh, mine next one is upgrade by blake crouch it comes out july 12th and you love a blake crouch i do love blake crouch books yeah. so they are he writes science fiction thrillers uh which is basically the only kind of science fiction i like um, and, <laughs> uh, so this one is about a, a guy named Logan who, after some sort of explosion, 
has been infected by a virus, but it's not the kind that makes you physically sick. Sick. It's a virus that changes your genetic material. Uh, so soon, it seems like maybe he gets treated and they tell him, oh, you're fine, we fixed it. But then soon he's realizing that he feels like he's getting smarter and he's seeing people in a different way. And maybe he's feeling like he's not exactly human anymore. And so... Um, that sounds interesting to me. I trust Blake Crouch to take me on whatever kind of ride he's going to take me on um, because they, they're they so fast-paced and the ones at least I've read of his, it's, they're very interesting concepts, but not in a way that it gets too into the technical detail and stuff. And that's where science fiction loses me a lot of the time. I know yeah. that, I know that's why a lot of people love science fiction. It's not why, you know, it is not for me. Um, but he gives just enough to sort of, I think if you like that sort of thought experiment part of it, you'd like it because it would take you down paths of being like, well, what would happen if X, Y, Z? But for me, I'm just along for the story. So he gives just enough to, to be like, oh, what an interesting idea or what an interesting premise. But then I'm there for the the fast-paced action part of it, you know, the yeah. thriller part of it. Uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's called Upgrade by Blake Crouch. Wouldn't it be funny if that's a book about a guy who just thinks he's getting smarter, but he's actually not getting smarter? <laughs> he just has it in his head and everyone's annoyed by him. That'd be kind of funny. You should write that book. We're writing books all over the place. <laughs> it's so fun because I've always said, I don't I don't want to write I don't I have one mm -hmm. I have a cozy mystery I want to write but other yeah. than that I have zero ideas but this this uh, podcast is this episode is disproving that <laughs> <laughs> okay what's your last one my last book is the very secret society of irregular witches by Sangu Mandana and it comes out on August 23rd and this is another book about witches because we I have one in every book preview episode you because I just want to read them all they all sound good to me um, so this is about a woman named Mina Moon who is one of the only witches in the UK and she keeps that information to herself so she doesn't attract any notice and she um, has been orphaned and she's used to being alone and just sort of keeping her head down and, and living by um, by the rules but she does have one sort of um, dangerous outlet and that's that she posts videos her, of herself doing magic but she's she claims that it's pretend magic but it's actually real magic um so someone does notice this and she gets word that she is to go to a mysterious location called nowhere house where she's going to teach young young witches to control their magic and everyone there is friendly and she um she fits in pretty well except for the house librarian jamie doesn't like her and he sees her as a threat um, but it kind of it insinuates that there's a a romantic mm -hmm. uh, spark there mm -hmm. as well. So um, she isn't a threat, but there is a threat coming to the house. And Mina realizes that she is um, going to have to choose on whether she's going to um, enjoy her life of, of sort of not being a part of anything or if she's going to protect this this place. Um, and this is a found family book and those just are really blowing up right now. Mm -hmm. And those. it's, yeah, they're always great. And it, it sounds like sort of a slightly spookier version of House in the Cerulean Sea, which is one of our, both mm -hmm. of our, our favorite books yep. of the past few years. So I think this could be very, very charming and very sweet um, and a little spooky mm -hmm. and witchy. <laughs> and I like all those things. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So that is The Very Secret Society of Irregular Witches by Sangu Mandana. My last one is Things We Do in the Dark by Jennifer 
Hillier or Hillier. It comes out July 19th. And there's not much out about this book beyond the publisher description. So sometimes, you know, if these books are coming out in a month or two, there are reviews that we can read about them. But this is so far out at this point that there is nothing more than publisher information, uh, which is fine. That's plenty to go on. Um, it's a thriller, and it's about a woman named Paris Peralta who is found in her bathroom covered in blood, holding a razor blade, and her dead husband is behind her. <laughs> and she is arrested, and you'd think she'd be very concerned about the fact that she's about to, you know, she's been arrested for the murder of her husband. Uh, but she's actually more concerned because there's someone from her past that is released from prison unexpectedly at the same, around the same time, who threatens to expose all of her secrets. And so the publisher description says something about like, what's, what's worse than one murder accusation, two murder accusations or something like that. <laughs> uh, I didn't say that. It was written better than that. But so it's like, clearly she's implicated in some sort of previous incident um, and has, has uh, my impression is maybe um, reinvented herself after that so nobody in her current life knows it about her past. And that was all coming to light. Um, so that's all I know. It sounds really twisty um, and I love a thriller. And I've really liked Jennifer. I read her previous two books, um, but the one called Little Secrets, which was the one before this, I really, really liked. It was kind of bonkers, but like in the best way. Uh, so I have high hopes that this one will be similar. Uh, that is Things We Do in the Dark by Jennifer Hillier. I definitely want to read that one too. It, it sounds, sounds good, really right? Like it yeah, sounds yeah, yeah. All right. We will be right back with what we're reading this week. Okay, Anne, what are you reading this week? Um, I actually just finished this book because um, it was so short. <laughs> so um, it is called Love and Saffron by uh, Kim oh, Fay. Yeah. 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 It's um, just this charming little epistolary, epistolary novel, <gasps> and we, we both love them. I do love it's them. Hard, it's hard to mess them up, yes. I think. Yes. Um, so this is um, about, it starts with a young woman in 1960s LA named Joan Bergstrom, who writes a fan letter to a woman in the Seattle area who writes a monthly column in a um, Pacific Northwest regional magazine. And her name is Imogen Fortier, and she's in her late 50s, and she writes um, Letter from the Island. And it's just these little vignettes of rural life on um, Kameno Island, which I, I looked up, and it's just just um, near Seattle. And she's enchanted when she receives this letter from Joan, and it comes with a recipe for steamed mussels and a little packet of saffron that Joan brought um, or bought with her um on an uh, overseas trip and then sent sort of in thanks to Imogen for the 10 year anniversary of, of her column, which she's, she's enjoyed the entire 10 years. So Imogen tells her that um, when her husband Francis smelled the saffron in the mussels that she, she made, he was brought back to the time that he served in world war one and a French soldier um, taught him how to make an omelet with butter and saffron. And he had never spoken of his time fighting in that war. And so it was just this, this really strong connection moment for them. And he suddenly was able to speak about it and he, he made it for her. And so um, this, this moment sort of opens up a door in, in their relationship. And so it also opens up a door for Joan and Imogen because, because they start corresponding as a result of this experience. Um, they're very different people. Joan is young and she's just starting out her career. Um, she's trying to be to work in newspapers and she's traveled extensively. But Imogen has been married since she was a teenager and she's only really 
um, experienced American food. So mm-hmm. they they don't have a lot in common on the page, but they they bond over their curiosity about the world and and their um, love of writing, and they really enjoy sharing their lives with each other. And so because they have this friendship, they're both opened up to new possibilities that they never dreamed could happen for them. It's a very, very short book. It's only about 200 pages long. Um, I think I, I listened to it, so mm-hmm. it's uh, it felt shorter than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the author actually says in the afterward that that was an intentional decision when she started the book because um, she was writing during lockdown and mm-hmm. she wanted something that was just sweet and that could be re- read in one sitting. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, so for pre- me personally, I'm very, very fascinated by this period in American food culture mm-hmm. because it's sort of the the years of the rise of Julia Child mm-hmm. and other writers um, of, of her same... Um, same style who were were exposing suburban families Mm -hmm. to international flavors for the first time Mm -hmm. and the way that it that information is is conveyed is just so appealing the way that it it comes through these letters Mm -hmm. because you find out that Imogen has never had fresh garlic and she is just so ecstatic about that and she learns about Mexican food through Joan and so Joan goes out of her way to find more um, exciting food that she can share with Imogen and that sort of leads down new paths for Joan as well um I I actually kind of, I love that the the author made that decision to make it short mm-hmm. I could have stayed in this world a lot longer mm-hmm. so um that's maybe a little bit of a drawback in in my book but I understand why she made that choice and it just made me really nostalgic for the the hey Joseph mm-hmm. <laughs> for that that world um that we don't live in anymore where you can't find everything about right anything just at the, the touch of a finger right, of your fingertips right. and you had to sort of slow down and people shared information with each other and sort of came out had these meaningful connections because of those mm-hmm. those interactions and um i don't know something about like women sharing recipes with each other and and sort of household experiences yeah. um and and also the we don't really have regional magazines in the way that we right, used right, to. And right. that to me is kind of a, a big part of my childhood is the, the copy of sunset that was sitting around. That was just sort of fun to, to poke through. So it just brought back a lot of, of cozy feelings to me. So, um, so I thought this was just lovely. And that is love and saffron by Kim Fay. Yeah. That sounds lovely. Like it just sounds like a lovely I think you book. would love yeah, it. I have it on audio through Libro FM. I'll have to listen. Oh, to me it. too. That's, that's how I listen to yeah. it. So it's really good uh, narrators. Okay. I'll have to listen to it. All right. So what I'm reading this week is Transcendent Kingdom by Yaa Jassy. And finally. I know. I finally am able to read it. So yeah. uh, this was on my shelf. I think I talked about this uh, at our, when we talked about resolutions and intentions uh, for the year. So I, I made a shelf of 22 books I want to read in 2022 and Transcendent Kingdom is one of them. And uh, a friend and I are starting a new book club and we meet on Monday and I, we're meeting here at my house and uh, I got to pick the book for the group. And so this is the book that I picked. And uh, so I got to read it. So it's, it's so it was a good excuse to pull it off the shelf. So I'm, I'm not that far into it. I will say that. Um, but it is about, I've already talked about it. I'm, I'm fairly certain on the podcast, so I won't spend too much time on the description. But it's about a, a woman named Gifty who is a PhD student who is studying the effects of addiction on mice. And it has a very personal connection for her because when she was younger, her brother died of a heroin overdose after being prescribed prescription o- opioids, you know, um, Percocet or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
It might have been. So he got addicted after uh, like a basketball injury, I think, and then ended up um, dying of a heroin overdose. And at the time, Gifty's mother spiraled into depression and she'd always sort of struggled with depression. Their father left when Gifty was young. And so she'd go through these depressive episodes. But then when her brother died, she really um, went downhill. And then now it's, I think it's about 10 years later and Gifty um, gets the sense that she's heading downhill again and, and possibly heading towards a bit of a breakdown. And so she brings her mother out to her to be with her in California. It goes back and forth in time between when Gifty was younger and you get to know her relationship with her brother um, and you get to know her relationship, what the relationship that she had with her father, although he left when she was pretty young, um, but the impact that had on their family and kind of who their mother was. And then you are learning about Gifty as a PhD student and trying to come to terms with what happened to her brother and through her science, trying to understand. She has a lot of she has a lot of faith in science and the scientific method, um, but also her mother is a woman of faith in God. And so it's like, how do you rectify those two things or reconcile those two things? Like, often those are put in opposition of each other. Um, you know, there's science and then there's like the belief in God creating the universe and things like that. So mm -hmm. it's, it's like the intersection of, of faith and science and family and where those all meet in this one person's life. Um, so it's so beautifully written. Yajasi is just a, a wonderful, wonderful writer. It pulled me in right away and I'm enjoying it a lot. It's a um, very thoughtful, kind of introspective book, but not in a belabored way or a slow way. Like it's it's pulling me through the story quite quickly, but I'm, I'm kind of savoring it because I'm enjoying the reading experience a lot. So that is Transcendent Kingdom by Yaa Jassi. I'm so glad you're finally getting to that. I know. I, that's, I know it was one of your most anticipated yeah. The, yeah. the year it came out. And then yeah. Um, yeah. Dang, dang committee keeps, keeps, <laughs> keeps things keeps from you from reading those sorts of books. So yeah. I'm, I'm certainly enjoying my time right now getting to read whatever I want. And some days not reading at all if I don't want. I mean, I always, yeah. read, I always read before bed, but there are days where I'm choosing to do other things and I'm enjoying that, but I'm absolutely enjoying getting to go back and read some of these books that I feel like I missed. And that's definitely one of them. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, why don't we go back and uh, read off all the books that we talked about today? We've, we've had so many weeks of not having to read off. I know. I know. <laughs> making up for it this time. Um, okay. So I talked about comedy, 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 drama by Bob Odenkirk, Atomic Anna by Rachel Berenbaum. The Hacienda by Isabel Cañas, Renovated to Death by uh, Frank Anthony Polito, The Woman in the Library by Solari Gentile, The Crane Rife by C.J. Hauser, uh, Love in the Time of Serial Killers by Alicia Thompson, The Very Secret Society of, Irre of Irregular Witches by Sangu Mandana, and what I'm reading this week is Love and Saffron by Kim Fay. That very secret society of your regular, which is a, such a great title. Yeah, it <laughs> really is. <laughs> All right. So I talked about Memphis by Tara Stringfellow, The Wedding Crasher by Mia Sosa, Take My Hand by Dolan Perkins Valdez, Book Lovers by Emily Henry, This Time Tomorrow by Emma Straub, Acts of Violet by, by Margarita Montemore, Upgrade by Blake Crouch, The Things We, or Things we Do in the Dark by Jennifer Hillier, and what I was reading this week is Transcendent Kingdom by Yaa Jassy. 
So that's funny because when we started this episode, I said it would be a long episode. It was actually one of right. shorter episodes. That's so funny. <laughs> okay. So if you'd like to get in touch with us to tell us um, about a suggestion you have or if you have feedback or if you have a topic that you'd like us to discuss that maybe we would talk about for an extra long episode, who knows, <laughs> uh, you can email us at wellreadpod no, at gmail.com. Find us on our Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram pages at wellreadpodcast. Please uh, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your other podcast provider of choice. It really helps people find the show. Our theme music is Kitten by Poddington Bear. We keep our show notes at wellreadpodcast.wordpress.com where you can find a listing of every book that we talked about in this episode and every episode. And like Anne mentioned, she will link to um, that short story she mentioned. So there are other, other information ends up in the show notes if you're ever curious. Um, thank you all for listening and happy reading. <laughs>